0: like for you to look up on the screen and listen carefully. Now, wouldn't you like to download the beauty of that and the peace of that and the power of that into your life? That is exactly what God did on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2. He downloaded into His church His power. Notice in that brief clip there that that water and the way it's rushing through that river... Anything that you place in that river is going to be caught up in the flow, overcome by the power of the water, and is going to be taken in the direction that the flow of water is going. And what God was doing on the day of Pentecost with his church is he was saying, I'm going to empower you. I'm going to place you in the flow of my power so that you are going to be taken where I want you to go. All you need to do is just get in the flow and cooperate with the flow and move with the flow of what I'm doing. And the power you will be caught up in is a power beyond yourself. And in Acts chapter 2, he downloads that power into his church. Turn with me in your Bibles to Acts chapter 2, beginning with verse 14. Acts chapter 2, verse 14. As I shared with the children earlier, the scene is the city of Jerusalem. The disciples, 120 of them, are gathered in a room there. They've been praying and seeking the Lord. The Spirit of God falls upon them and fills them with the Holy Spirit. They begin to move in this powerful flow of the Spirit's work. And then they proceed out of that room into the streets of Jerusalem. And as they walk out of that room into the streets of Jerusalem, what they would have encountered is city streets that are filled with thousands of people. It's the Feast of Pentecost, and you have pilgrims, Jewish pilgrims from all over the Roman Empire who have made their way to the city of Jerusalem. You have folks that are from what we know today to be Iran. You have folks from Africa. You have folks from... Uh, Judea, you name it. They are from all over and they are speaking and talking in their natural languages and dialects. And these disciples, as they begin to move out on the streets and they begin to encounter these folks, begin to share the good news of Jesus in the specific languages and dialects of the people that they are encountering as part of the Spirit's work. Now, as they do that, what you would have seen out there on the streets. And I want you to picture, get in your mind what's happening here in order to understand this passage. You're going to see men out there sharing. You're going to see women out there sharing. You're going to see folks that are older. You would have seen folks that were younger. You would have seen folks who were described as being free and folks who were described or known in that society as being slaves. You would have seen every strata of society. You would have seen multiple... Folks from nationalities being shared with. And and the people can't believe what's happening. They're seeing men and women talking. They're seeing these different social strata. They're hearing these different languages that are fitting perfectly with the languages and dialects of the people. And folks start standing back and saying, what is going on here? And Peter stands up and he begins to give an explanation as to what they are encountering. In Acts chapter 2, beginning with verse 14. Acts chapter 2 beginning with verse 14. Then Peter, standing with the eleven, lifted up his voice and addressed them, Men of Judah and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and give ear to my words. These people are not drunk, as you think, since it is only the third hour of the day, but this is what was uttered to the prophet Joel. And then he begins to quote from what we know as Joel chapter 2. And in the last days it shall be, God declares, that I will pour out my Spirit on all flesh. Now let me stop there where it says last days. We tend to think of the last days in terms of, you know, when Jesus comes again. But actually in Scripture, everything that follows Jesus' ascension to the Father is considered the last days. So we are living in the last days and have been living in the last days for the last 2,000 plus years Since Jesus ascended to the Father. Now, the key characteristic, and I cannot stress this enough, the key characteristic of the last days is the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. The key characteristic of what God is doing since Jesus ascended to the Father is pouring out the Spirit, empowering the church with the Spirit, and indwelling the church with the Spirit. And I say that because sometimes I hear folks talk about, oh, we're living in the last days, and it's horrible, and it's terrible, and things are going to get worse, and persecution, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. That is not the key characteristic of the last days. The key characteristic of the last days is not the church sitting back, sticking its tail between its legs, and anticipating gloom, doom. It is a church that is being empowered by the Holy Spirit to moves, move out courageously and aggressively and share the gospel of Jesus Christ. We are buying into a lie of Satan when we think that the last days means we just sit back and take it on the chin. It is rather we are to be living in the power of the Spirit and that's what he wants us to live in and live in anticipation of. He says, "...in these last days I will pour out my Spirit where? On all flesh." Notice the comprehensiveness of it. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Even on my male servants and female servants in those days, I will pour out... Notice he continues to use that verb. I will pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy. And I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below... Blood and fire and vapor of smoke, the sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the day of the Lord, and the day of the Lord there we believe is reference to the second coming of Christ. Before the day of the Lord comes, that great and magnificent day, and it shall come to pass that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Now I want to concentrate today on three words in this passage, and my sermon outline is back of your bulletin, follow along if you would. First word is the word pour. God chose when he described how he wants to place the Spirit into our lives and the Spirit into his church to use the verb pour. And it is the idea of saturation. So he's saying, I'm going to pour out the Spirit. I'm not going to sprinkle the Spirit. I'm going to pour out the Spirit. I'm going to give him in abundance. John chapter 3 and verse 34, he says he will give the spirit without measure. And Titus chapter 3 and verse 6, the spirit is poured out on us richly. You see, the issue is never the lack of the spirit. God never comes to his church and just gives us a little bit of the Holy Spirit. He pours out his spirit. God will never come and give you just a little bit of the Spirit. He pours out the Spirit in all of His fullness. The fruits of the Spirit from Galatians, the gifts of the Spirit from Romans chapter 12 and 1 Corinthians. He pours out the Spirit when He gives the Spirit. It is not that God gives too less of the Spirit or too little of the Spirit. It is rather that we don't adequately avail ourselves of the outpouring that He is giving. Go back to that stream I opened up with in the video. I can stand there and I can look at the stream. I can talk about how great the stream is. I can admire how powerful the stream is. I can talk about how fresh the water it is. But I'm never going to understand the power of that stream until I jump into the stream and I get caught up in the flow of the stream. And folks, the problem with so many of us of God is we stand outside the stream of the work of the Holy Spirit and we say it's so great and it looks so nice and so many things are said about it and we sing about it and we talk about it, but we never jump in. And what God is trying to say here to His church is it's time to jump in. It's time to get into the flow of what I'm doing and how that spirit is being poured out. Now, this idea of pouring, as I said earlier, is the idea of saturation. If I take this towel here, that right now is dry, I'll place it in this container, and I begin to pour water all over it. I'm going to begin to transform the texture, the nature and everything else pretty much about this towel. So I got a good soaking wet towel now that is saturated with the water that was just poured on it. And think about what happens when something gets saturated. First of all, the liquid changes changes it completely as it begins to touch it. It goes from being dry to now being filled with fluid. Notice the characteristics. It gets cool. It can refresh you. How many of you have ever been in a gym and you watch people after a workout take a wet towel and wrap it around their neck or put it over their face as a way to get refreshed? I could squeeze this and get water out of it as a way to quench thirst. If I had to, I could attempt hopefully to pull out a fire if I had to throw it on the fire. But the biggest thing, and I want you not to miss this about this, you look at it, is this towel is now heavy. It was light a few seconds ago, but when I poured the water on it, it got heavy. It's heavy now because of what it contains. It's heavy with the presence of the water that's saturating it. When you look at this now, you don't see what you saw a few seconds ago. You see a towel drenched in water. And when he talks here about pouring out the Spirit, what he's saying here is he wants to fill us with the Holy Spirit so that when people look at us and listen to us and talk to us and watch us as His followers, what they are seeing is people who are heavy with the Holy Spirit, who are saturated with the Holy Spirit. We don't look and talk and act like we did before the Spirit of God was poured out upon us and we received that pouring. And notice the next word. It says that once they received the word, they did what? Verse 17, it says they began to go out and to share words of prophecy. Verse 18, even on my male servants and female servants in those days, I will pour out my spirit and they shall prophesy. Verse 17, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh and your sons and your daughters Shall prophesy. Now, there's two things I want you to see about the use of this word prophesy, and we're going to define it in a minute. But the first thing is, he does not restrict this prophecy. He doesn't say here, I'm going to pour out my spirit, and those who are called to the ministry, who go to seminary, and who are pastors of churches, they shall prophesy. He says, My men servants and my male servants, he says, Your sons, your daughters. I mean, he makes it all inclusive. You see, so often what we've tended to do is we've said, well, the the outpouring of the Spirit and the fullness of the Spirit and walking in all the Spirit's God, that's for people who are preachers. That's for people who are official in church work. But that's not for the rest of us. The rest of us just sort of sit back and we live sort of a mediocre Christian life like this. But we don't really walk in the power of the Spirit because that's just for the special people who are called. But that's not what happens here. That's not what He says here. He didn't say this is for select. He says it's for everybody. Now, the word prophecy here is different from our English word. Our English word, we think of someone who's a prophet and who gives prophecy. They talk about events that are going to happen in the future. That is not the use of the Greek word here. The Greek word here means to speak forth truth. It's the idea that when they got out on the streets and they began to prophesy, they weren't going around talking about future events. They were speaking forth the truth about Jesus. They were just telling people about Jesus what we call witnessing they were just walking up to people and say I want to tell you about Jesus I want to tell you about the difference he's made in my life I want to tell you about how awesome he is I want to tell you I know you've heard some stories about this guy who got crucified in Jerusalem and rose from the dead well I want to give you the details about it I want to share with you about Jesus but follow me on this the idea of of prophesying, of speaking forth the truth about Jesus is not just communicating content and information about Jesus. It is about communicating truth about Jesus in the power of the Holy Spirit. And there's a difference. Because you see... When the power, the message of the gospel of the good news of Jesus is communicated in the power of the Spirit as it was that on their streets, there is an energy that cannot be explained apart from God. There is a life-changing power that cannot be explained apart from God. Remember earlier the Spirit came with wind and fire and there's that wind and fire that is there. You see, this is not some kind of cold information that is being disseminated. It is information, it is truth about Jesus that is being given out through people who are saturated with the Spirit's power, and that Word has got power in it. It is like molten lava. It touches and it changes whatever it touches. Several decades ago, Jim Simula went to Brooklyn, New York and they started a church. They started a church in an old run-down building. And they started the church primarily with people who were trying to get free from being drug addicts and prostitutes and lives were all messed up. And they named it the Brooklyn Tabernacle. And Simula is sitting there in the midst of a community that is just drowning in sin and in the power of Satan, and he's trying to start a church. And he didn't know whether the church was going to make it or not. So let me tell you what Cymbala did. He didn't try to have the best worship service in town because that was going to be impossible. He didn't try to be the best preacher in New York because he knew he couldn't be that. He didn't try to have the nicest, most up-to-date media program because they couldn't afford it. And how do you build a church with former prostitutes and drug addicts? What Simula did is he called his people every Wednesday night to prayer. And they got down and they just began to pray and to pray and to pray and to ask for God to pour out His Spirit and to do a work that could not be explained apart from God. And God begin to grow that church and develop that church and lives begin to be changed. But if you go to the Brooklyn Tabernacle now, midweek, they'll tell you the most important thing we do is our midweek service and it's devoted to prayer. I watched it on videotape. They just come. I mean, they come literally by the hundreds, and they get on their faces before God, and they seek God, and they ask God to pour out His Holy Spirit in their midst, and they've got testimony after testimony of people that God has delivered from drug abuse, God has delivered from prostitution. You name it, why? Not because of a sophisticated, educated church they pull off Sunday by Sunday because it's a church where the Spirit of God is changing people. And folks, I don't know about you, but I'm tired of church done by human wisdom and human ways. I want a church that is the expression of what the Holy Spirit of God can do. That we walk out of Rocky Mount Baptist Church on Sundays and Wednesdays and we say what happened today was only what God could have pulled off. That we see lives that get changed around here because the Holy Spirit of God changes the life. That we stop looking at people and writing them off because they've always been a drug addict or they've always been an alcoholic or they've always been messed up or they got this problem or that problem. I don't care what the problem is. When Jesus gets through with them, they don't have the problem anymore. Because that is the power of the Spirit to transform people's lives. Prophecy, they were going in and sharing in verse 21. It says, And everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Now, I want you to notice verse 18. Who got it? It said His servants, your sons and your daughters... And Luke chapter 2 and verse 36 says Anna was a prophetess. In Acts chapter 29, excuse me, 21 and verse 9, it refers to the daughters of Philip as prophesying. In verse 18, he says, On my female servants and my male servants. So you have men and women Equally, out on the streets, sharing Christ. Notice it says, my my servants. The Greek word there is bond slave. It was the lowest social class of that day. At the time of Jesus, there were 7.5 million inhabitants in Italy. And best historians can tell, 2 to 3 million of them were in slavery. Now, don't equivocate the American experience of slavery with slavery in the Greco-Roman world. It's very different. Number one, if you were a slave in those days, you were always available to your owner. Number two, your owner was required to house you and feed you. Many slaves came into slavery because they had been captured in battle and became a slave through being captured by a victor. And slavery in the Greco Roman world did not mean that you were looked upon as being inferior. In fact, it was just the exact opposite. Often slaves were given major areas of responsibility in the household, in government, etc. Now, the Lord says, I'm going to pour out my spirit on my bond slaves. You see, folks. We're not going to receive the outpouring of the Spirit into our lives until we make ourselves available to Jesus all the time. When I make myself available to Jesus for one hour on Sunday morning, I'm not going to walk in the power of the Holy Spirit. i got to be available to Him 24-7. He's going to take care of us. And we got captured in battle, whether we realize it or not. You see, on the cross, Jesus was in battle for us. And He captured us about what he did on the cross. And he doesn't see us as inferior. He sees us as his servants that he's giving important areas of responsibility to. Now, I want you to get a picture of what's going on that day there in the streets of Jerusalem. First of all, there's an ethnic picture of what's happening. The message is going to every kind of ethnic group you can imagine. You've got Iranians, you've got Egyptians, you've got North Africans, you name it. Messages message going to all groups. Secondly, there's a gender issue going on. Women in the Roman, Greco-Roman world were to be sometimes seen and never heard. If you were a woman in the Greco-Roman world, you knew your place was to keep your mouth shut and stay silent and to yourself. So... Part of what people are marveling about that day is you've got women walking around on the streets of Jerusalem speaking to women and to men with courage and confidence and doing it toe-to-toe with guys. What are these women doing? They're supposed to be seen and not heard. They're seen and heard out here on the streets. God is upending the social strata of the day as He empowers with the Holy Spirit. There's a social issue going on you got bond slaves out there sharing the good news of Jesus alongside their masters, to their masters. They again were to be seen and not heard, but they're out there sharing the gospel with everybody else, so God is again upheavaling the social standing of that day. And there's courage. If you were Jewish, and you were out there on those streets that day sharing Jesus with other Jewish folk, there was a good chance that your business would be boycotted by the Jewish community because you had become a follower of Christ. There was a good chance, whether you were Jew or Gentile, that if you said you were going to be a follower of Jesus Christ and say Jesus is Lord, then you would be imprisoned by the Roman government, if not executed by the Roman government. So when they walked out on those streets, they knew they were taking their lives in their hand. They knew they were potentially sacrificing their businesses. They knew they could get in all kinds of trouble. But they had a boldness and a courage because that's what the Spirit of God does. Now notice what he says next. He says, Your young men, verse 17, shall see visions. Your young men, Shall see visions. Your young men shall see visions. He said, The Spirit of God's being poured out today. And your young people, young people, he's saying, God's got a vision for you. Now, vision of God always comes with two. Components. I encourage you to write it down. The first vision from God is always going to be a fresh, deeper understanding of who He is. Oh, don't miss this. We want to get excited about the assignment, but if you don't get excited about the Savior, you'll never make it into the assignment. And that fresh vision and experience of who He is will get you excited about the assignment... But well, what's going to carry you in the excitement is being excited about the Savior. I love the way he, had, he pulls out here and he says, "I'm giving this to your young men, your young people are going to see this vision. You're not to wait till you're older. At any age you want to follow me, you're young, I got a vision a deeper understanding and experience of who I am. And then I got a vision about how I want to take your life and use your life. You see, one of the greatest, I believe, lies that Satan has sold so many young Christians is that the Christian life is boring, and God doesn't really get serious with using your life till you hit about 40 years of age. He says, I got a vision for my young people. It's a vision and a deeper experience of who I am and it is a vision of how I want to take your life and use your life in specific ways to my glory. When I speak to my young folks today, those of you that are in your teens and 20s and 30s, we'll let some of y'all fudge it in your 40s, okay? God has a vision for your life. He wants to share that vision with you And when you walk in the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, He's going to show you how He wants to use you day by day, experience by experience. He wants to give you a fresh vision of who He is and a deeper, richer walk with Him. Not something that just happens when you come to Christ, but He wants to give it to you on a regular basis. He wants every day to show you a deeper, closer walk with Him. But then He wants to show you specifically, this is how I want to take your life. This is how I want to use your life. This is the plan I've got for your life. But let me give you a warning. If you don't get His vision, Satan will sell you his sugar-coated fantasy. It looks good. It smells good. It tastes good. But it is nothing but poison laced with Satan's sugar. But you see, if I'm not, if I'm not grabbing hold of the vision that God's got for me, what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna take hold of that fantasy Satan's God. What well, can I say to you, young people, get with God and stay with him and let him show you the vision he's got for you? But he doesn't stop there. Verse 17. Your old men are going to dream dreams. Your old men are going to dream dreams. Peter looked out there in that crowd and he saw some folks who had wrinkles on their face. He saw some folks that the years had taken black hair and brown hair and red hair. In some cases, like me, it was no hair. And in other cases, it was turning white and gray. And this is what he was saying. Those of you that are older, God's got a dream still for you. You get with Him, you walk in the power of the Spirit and start dreaming the dream that He's got for you. Because He's got a dream for you. You see, folks, if you don't dream God's dream when you get into your older years, this is what happens. We start living yesterday's dream because we don't think There's a dream for today or a dream for tomorrow. We start talking about what God did yesterday, back in the day, because we can't find God today and in the future. And if we're not careful, we get complacent. My best years are behind me. So I'm just going to sit in front of a television set and watch soaps all day long and just let life go by. And sometimes that book turns into bitterness. I want yesterday back, and I'm angry because yesterday can't come back, and I I get bitter, and the world's passing me by, and I get bitter. And what God's saying is, I want you to move in the power of my spirit, because i got a dream for you. I want to use you. And your white hair and your years, and your wrinkles do not disqualify you. They rather qualify you for the dream. If you've got some decades on you today, become one of his dreamers. Accept his dream. Begin to move in his dream. When I moved to Chesapeake, I met a man by the name of Jake Manley. Jake Manley was in his, I think he was in his late 70s when I first moved to Chesapeake. He lived to about his mid-80s. Dr. Manley was a pastor of Bethany Baptist Church. He'd been the pastor there for over 30-some years. And Dr. Manley in his late 70s and into his early 80s had a dream. It was a dream to see people who were addicted to drugs and any other addiction get delivered. And he had a ministry called Showers of Blessing. And I remember going to his church and seeing people that God was delivering from addictions. They told a story where Dr. Manley got a phone call in the middle of the night to go to the East Ocean View section of Norfolk that there was a young man who was detoxing. And it was a mess, and he wanted Jake Manley there, so Dr. Manley got up, and went to that young man's house and sat with him as he detoxed and went through all the misery of that. That young man was in his church on Sunday, and that young man found Jesus as his Savior. And it was fascinating to see this guy in his 70s with a church full of young people. Why? Because Manley had a dream that God had given him to help people find release from that, and deliverance from that. I remember the latter years of Dr. Jerry Falwell's life. you get around him, and he always talked about his dream. In the autobiography on his life that his wife wrote, she shares in there that the morning that he died, he had breakfast with Ron Godwin and sat at a table in Lynchburg and began to write out, the dream that God was giving him for liberty. And if you ride through Lynchburg today, what you see in all those buildings and programs is basically the reality of the dream that he literally went to heaven with. Why? Because he knew he could just continue to dream the dream that God was giving him. I've had four major mentors in my life. They've all gone to heaven now. But one thing I I, I loved about all of my mentors is that all of them lived into their 70s or 80s it went into his 90s. But when every time I talked with those men into their 70s, into their 80s, into that one man who lived into his 90s, they talked their dream. They hadn't given up on life. They hadn't stopped. They were in the game because God was giving them that dream. Yesterday morning, we gathered here with some of our older guys And a bunch of our younger guys. And we started a men's ministry. And we started that ministry so that our younger guys can start getting the vision from God of how he wants to take them and use them. And we started that ministry so that our older guys can live with a vision of Training up and raising up a new generation of guys who are going to love Jesus and follow Jesus and walk with Jesus. And, folks, let me tell you as your pastor, my greatest dream right now for our young people is not that we got a bunch of people to go to the mission, young people go to the mission and feel into the ministry. I'd love to see that happen. But what I'm praying for and, and, and dreaming is that 20 years from now we're going to have men and women of God who are in adulthood then who are godly husbands, godly wives, and godly parents who are lifting up Jesus in their home that are going to be raising up the next generation to love and follow Jesus because as much as I want to see preachers and missionaries and all of that, the greatest need we've got today is godly men and women who will raise up godly children in Christ-honoring homes with marriages who honor Jesus Christ and who can role model that. That is what we were hoping to birth and start birthing tomorrow. I mean, yesterday and in the days ahead. So I want to ask you a question this morning. Are you ready to get caught up in the flow of what the Spirit of God wants to do? Are you ready to not just stand on the side and watch the the flow go? Are you ready to jump into it? Do you want to jump into it? Are you willing to jump into it? Young people, are you willing to find the vision and walk in the vision that He's got for your life? And those of you that are older, are you willing to dream the dream that He's got for your life? Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Lord, I sense in my spirit, God, if I'm sensing it right, that we may be on the cusp of you doing a work among us. Not that you haven't been, but God, that you want to just increase that work and intensify that work. But Lord, we've got to choose to jump into the flow. We've got to choose to get in that flow, Lord. Some of us have got to, to that are young have got to decide, I want the vision. And other of us, God, have got to say, I, I, I'm willing to live the dream, God, you've got. And we've all, Lord, got to be willing to say, as a church and individually, Lord, pour out your Spirit, and I will accept that outpouring. I'm thirsty for that outpouring. And Lord, as a church we got to say to you that that we really don't want to do church around here without the Spirit of God being evident among us and in us and through us. But Lord, it's up to us to ask and to seek. So Jesus, I'm just asking that you give that outpouring of your Spirit. But Lord, you just pour yourself out among us. And God, just help us to move with you in what you're doing. Just a moment as the invitation takes place. If you're here and need to trust Jesus as your Savior, come on down. We'd love to pray with you but giving your life to Christ. If you feel like the Lord's leading you to become part of our church family, we invite you to come. But if you need to come this morning, this whole front area is going to be an altar if you just want to come and say, God, would you pour out your Spirit upon me and pour yourself into me? And God, would you pour out your Spirit in our church? Whatever that means, Lord, we're not going to try to contain the Spirit or control the Spirit. We're just asking you to pour the Spirit out amongst us. Change us any way you want to change us. And I invite you to come. Lord, we give you praise this morning for loving us so much that you want to pour yourself out upon us. In Jesus' name.